Welcome to episode 205 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on July 9th, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we got some distro news, app news, gaming news, and even a little bit of drama news to talk about. Plus, unlike last week where I was pretty sick, I'm still sick, but not as bad. So I'm happy to be back being able to do the show as I normally do. And we got so much to talk about. So let's get right to your weekly source for Linux. Good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Before we get started this week, I wanted to make you sure you know about the merch drop that happened on Tux Digital Store. You can go to tuxdigital.com slash store and get all of the great new stuff from the Sinister Windy collection. We created this as for in honor of one of the hosts of Hard Radix, Windy, and this is to pay tribute to Windy and all of her contributions to the network, and we wanted to capture the, the essence of Windy, and that is why we have this piece of art in the store. For those who don't know what it looks like right now, you're not watching the video version. It has a combination of an angel face, smiley face, and a devil smiley face. And it's kind of like uh, the, the two sides of Wendy. And uh, yeah, so check it out. TuxDigital.com slash store and you can check out that or go to TuxDigital.com slash SinisterWendy to get to the direct link for all of the, uh, the uh, options in the collection. I wanted to start off the show this week celebrating an awesome milestone for the OpenGL project. We've been talking about Vulkan in regards to graphics APIs in recent years, but it's more important to know where we came from, and that is OpenGL. And OpenGL kind of started things off for having a cross-vendor and industry-standard graphics API, and even though Vulkan is the eventual expected successor to OpenGL, OpenGL is still in widespread use and will be for a long time, especially with all the different multiple layers that you could use OpenGL with other APIs as well. And I wanted to take a moment and celebrate a milestone for the OpenGL project that has recently had its 30-year anniversary. So thank you very much to everyone who has worked on this critical project for so many years. It's developers like you who make it using Linux-based operating systems the great experience that it is. So thank you very much. And if you'd like to learn more about the history of OpenGL, you'll find links in the show notes. This week, there was a surprising amount of Linux laptops announced, so to do them justice, we are going to have to do this a little bit different this week. The laptop roundup includes the Starlabs Starfighter, System76 has announced the new Lemire Pro laptop, Tuxedo has the Tuxedo Pulse Gen 2, KDE Slimbook is now available, and also the Slimbook Executive is available, as well as a big upgrade for the Frameworks laptop. Now, in order to cover each of these new machines well, I would need to give them each a separate topic. And that would take up much more time, maybe even like half of the show or even more than that. So instead, we're going to do something different and put this on a more in-depth look on Destination Linux tomorrow. So it'll be somewhat of a Hardware Addicts plus Destination Linux combination show. So be sure to check that, check that out because we're going to do a deep dive into these machines on Destination Linux. We also have a special guest as Wendy from Hardware Addicts is going to be stopping by tomorrow 
for Destination Linux. So if you are curious about which laptop is the best option from this bunch, then check out the next episode of Destination Linux being recorded live tomorrow at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time by going to tuxdigital.com slash live. Xenotic is one of the most popular open source games available and one of my favorites for sure. This release is a pretty massive update with a lot of new changes and improvements. For example, they have support for mid-air combos because people like me who are super pro be able to shoot people and while you're also jumping and do it multiple times. I mean, of course I could do that sort of thing. <clears throat> also, there's a new dual system for the game type that is now uh, dedicated for this, pop- this option for you no longer having to do a deathmatch and then maximum set the player count to two. So this is a really nice way of doing that. Also, the Vortex's push force has been reduced from 400 to 200, so players no longer fly to the other uh, end of the map when they're hit by the Vortex shot. And there's also a bunch of new features. Players are now immune to damage for one second after being revived. This is great to help spawn killing. And also, players now spawn with 100 armor instead of zero which is also great for stopping spawn killing. And they've also made many changes to the revival system of downed players for both manual revivals and auto revivals. They've also made the changes to the default bot skills being increased from 1 to 8, making it much harder to play to, you know, kind of train yourself with bots if you're new. That's really nice. Plus, there's so many bug fixes and improvements and performance enhancements and stuff for Xenotic, so that's great to see. And if you'd like to learn more, about this game. We're going to be doing an in-depth look on this topic on Destination Linux tomorrow as well, so be sure to check that out. And I'll also have links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you get comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your team can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. And with DigitalOcean, you also get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Plus, you also get support at every stage of growth. Whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, with DigitalOcean, you get simple, powerful cloud computing, and it helps you get growing when you use DigitalOcean. Also, as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. And in fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. Darktable 4.0 has been released, and this is a big update. Darktable is an open-source photography workflow application and raw developer. It's kind of like an alternative to Lightroom from Adobe, and it gives you access to being able to enhance and develop raw images, as well as much more stuff. And developers have been hard at work on improving pretty much everything uh, since the last release. They have uh, almost 1,600 commits to the, from the last release, and so much have, like, we can't really talk about everything, so we're going to talk about just some highlights. Uh, for example, color and exposure mapping has been added. Uh, Filmic version 6 introduces new color science. Uh, gamut sanitation has been added to Darktable 4.0. They introduced the Darktable Uniform Color Space 2022. 
Uh, the Dark Tables UCS 2022 is perceptually in a uniform color space design from psycho perceptual experimental data specifically for the purpose of artistic saturation changes. And if you're curious what that means, I am too. You'll find links in the show notes. The UI has also been completely revamped again to improve the look and workflow of the app, and they've made many performance improvements as much and much, much more. And you'll find a link to learn more about it in the show notes. But also, if you're curious what all this stuff means, like I am, be sure to join us next episode of Destination Linux. We just seem to be doing that a lot this episode uh, as Tux Digital's very own professional photographer, Sinister Wendy, I mean Wendy from Hardware Addicts, will be joining us to talk about Darktable 4.0 tomorrow, Sunday, uh, the 10th, July 10th at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern, tuxdigital.com slash live. This is going to be a very, uh, very awesome episode of Destination Linux. You don't want to miss it. But if you do miss the live one, that's okay. You'll find a link to the edited version when it's released in the show notes of this show as well. This next topic is a little bit of some drama news. And first of all, before we get into this topic, I just want to say that the majority of this topic will be my opinion because there's not that much detail on this on this particular topic to talk about. Uh, just the specifics necessarily that we have are very minimal. So we just know like the core essence of what has happened. But it's also something that I think needs to be addressed as well. So longtime and impactful Linux developer Lenart Pottering has switched from Red Hat to now working for Microsoft. For those unfamiliar with Lenart, Lenart is someone who has managed to create three distinct technologies that have each reshaped the Linux ecosystem to some degree. For example, Avahi for networking, Pulse Audio for the audio stack, and SystemD for system management. And there haven't been reasons provided as to why Lenart has decided to work for Microsoft, but I have some guesses. Uh, SystemD has been a controversial project for many people for many years, and whether SystemD is the perfect solution or not is simply not a topic I'm able to comment on at that level, because that's a bit too low level for me to jump in on. However, while criticism of SystemD might be reasonable, the hatred and vitriol thrown at Lenart over the years by the pathetically toxic part of the community is far from reasonable. Like hating someone for writing software, writing free software, especially software that has benefited the Linux ecosystem for years and years is just ridiculous. Some of you might not know this, but the debate for distros to use Pulse Audio or Pipewire is very interesting as people say Pulse Audio does what we need it to do and does it well. But go back some years prior to this debate and you will find hate and vitriol for Lenart having the audacity to make Pulse Audio. Honestly, it, it's kind of sickening. Now, I don't know Lenart. I've never talked with him. And again, we don't know why Lenart decided to go to Microsoft. But if it were me and I received hate and vitriol for years and years from a community something over something that I created for that same community, I'd likely stop caring what that community thinks. Just a... Pro tip. With that said, on the flip side of this for this news, I don't feel this is all that negative of a news story in regards to claims Microsoft poaching developers that some people have said, because some people find this as negative news and may about maybe Lenart will stop working on systemd or something Linux related in the future. And maybe Microsoft is going to make him give up Linux development altogether or something. And I look at this as something that we likely don't need to worry about. I mean, first of all, Microsoft has been contributing to Linux for over a decade, 
And while Microsoft is certainly not a company that I would classify as a friend to open source, I think it's fair to say that Lenart is one of those developers that has made a name for himself in the programming world in such a way he can basically do whatever he wants. So even if Microsoft tries to make him do something he doesn't want to, then he'd be able to get a position at pretty much any company that he would want to possibly consider. So I'm not really worried about this change in terms of how it relates to Lenart. And I wish Lenart well in whatever he does in the future. And I hope that whatever he does continues to help improve the Linux ecosystem as he's done repeatedly over the years. And to the toxic part of the community, I don't know, maybe have some ice cream, watch some movies and just relax. I mean, come on. If you'd like to learn more about this news, I'll have links in the show notes. Up next, we have some news that actually is understandably frustrating from the Microsoft side, but also kind of not, as it might just be a misunderstanding. So, there is some concern about Microsoft's decisions to limit how apps based on open source software can be sold in the Microsoft Store. Due to section 10.8.7 in their revised policy, it says for people to not attempt to profit from open source or other software that is otherwise generally available for free, nor be priced irrationally high relative to the features and functionality provided by your product. Naturally, this resulted in a lot of comments and backlash because there are many open source applications that have much of their funding via the payments from Microsoft Store, such as the KDE painting application Krita, and many others. Microsoft Store is used as a marketplace for Windows users who want to get quality open source software and to help fund that software by paying a small fee in that store. And after the comments from the community were received, it seems that Microsoft legalese team either messed up or don't understand how to properly write policy related to open source software. A, a representative from, from Microsoft responded to the comments from the community by saying, we absolutely want to support developers distributing successful open source software apps. And he also goes on to say, in fact, there are already fantastic open source software apps in the store. The goal of this policy is to protect customers from misleading listings. And because it seems this was more intended to stop people from putting open source software in the store that they do not have the rights to do so with, as people are trying to benefit off the work of other projects and in other people in an unethical way, I would not be surprised if that was happening. I, I think that if, if that's the case and that's why, then that's totally understandable. Microsoft goes on to say that the Microsoft Store supports and encourages open source software developers to publish free and paid apps. The spokesperson also said that on June 16th, we shared a policy aimed to protect customers from misleading listings that were to go in effect for July 16th. In listening to the developer community, we got feedback it could be perceived differently than intended. We'll delay enforcement of that policy until we clarify the intent. Stay tuned. So, while they're currently not applying the changes, and we don't know exactly what they intend the changes to be, it seems more like the first part of not wanting people who have nothing to do with the project to be able to pretend that they do and take money for the work from others, which if that's the case, I totally understand that. I 100% am behind that. Uh, I think that's a, a reasonable uh, intent in Microsoft's case, if that's what they're doing. Now, if they're actually blocking open source software being sold in the store, that would be ridiculous, but it doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. And hopefully it's not. So 
I'll keep you updated in a future episode of the show uh, when we get more information about this particular news. So be sure to subscribe. And uh, for now, you'll find links in the show notes for the current situation. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get it started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, it provides multiple different tools. You have passwords being able to stored in a secured vault. You can also auto-generate those passwords and usernames. And even with the thanks to Firefox Relay and other services, you can now automatically generate e- emails for like redirects, which is just awesome. And you can also automatically fill in those passwords and information on login forms. So you don't have to do any of this stuff. Plus, you can have access across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line, Bitwarden has you covered. Also, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your device, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. And did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because it starts at less than a dollar per month. That's right. Just less than a dollar per month gets you access to one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, Priority Customer Service, and so much more. All of this for less than a dollar per month. I mean, that's such a reasonable price that... It kind of, I kind of, I would feel bad not getting you know a premium account because of how much great value that it offers. So make the smart move, like many of the community have, and go to bitwarden.com/tux to get started with your account. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. There is a new release of KOS Distro with KOS 2022.06. For those unfamiliar with KOS, it looks like it's pronounced chaos. It's not. I want it to be but it's not. This is a distro created with tightly integrated experience for KDE and Qt on the x86-64 architecture. KOS is one of the first distros, if not the first, to ship KDE Plasma 5.25 to their users with all the new benefits that we discussed on episode 202 of Twill for KDE Plasma 525. I'll have a link in the show notes for that episode if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of KDE Plasma 5.25. And some uh, some other highlights we're going to talk about for KOS. But, but first, I mentioned how it's probably it's one of the first, if not the first. And I know some people are thinking, well, what about KDE Neon? Well, if you look at the frequently asked questions, I said it's one of the first distros. And KDE Neon, in their frequently asked questions, says it's not a distro. So let's talk about KOS 2022.06. Let's talk about the highlights from this release. They have updated the KDE Frameworks 5.95. KDE Gear 22.04.2. They've also updated the Calamari's installer to 3.3. They've also decided to switch their uh, their Office suite from Caligra to LibreOffice thanks to the new changes with LibreOffice having a full uh, Qt application setup. And they've also had an update to the Linux kernel with 5.17.15. And they've added a new package selection for the welcome screen in Coruso. If you'd like to learn more about this latest release of KOS 2022.06, you'll find links in the show notes. For those who miss all the flashy stuff you can do with Compiz, such as closing your windows with fancy effects like setting the windows on fire or exploding them, well, you're in luck because that's exactly what the project Burn My Windows does. 
This project from the same developer that brought back the desktop cube in the GNOME shell, which was sorely missed by many, says that when he released the desktop cube extension for GNOME, many people requested to revive one of the most useless features of Linux desktop history, setting Windows on fire. He says that not only is this more useless than the cube, but it's also much more hacky to do, but let's incinerate them all. So, Burn My Windows was born, and it's it's not just for GNOME, though. They also have included a port for uh, basic support with KDE Plasma's KWIN. Now, as a KDE Plasma user, I'm, there are some features that you can sort of do this already, but there are a lot more added thanks to this project, which is really nice. And there's a, a lot of the cool stuff that you can do in the GNOME version, you can do in the KDE version, although I'm not sure how up-to-date they're going to be going forward to each other. But I just wanted to mention that, and I appreciate the effort to bring it to, you know, even more to the to the KDE Plasma world. And they, while they may be useless, as the developer says, for Burn My Windows, uh, I completely agree that they're useless, but also that they're very fun. So thank you very much for making such a project. And I also still like using them sometimes because there is a lot of fun stuff to it. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can burn your windows, then you'll find links in the show notes. So Humma Bundle is a company that makes a lot of cool bundles where you can get games, ebooks, uh, software, all sorts of stuff. And I wanted to tell you about one bundle in particular this week, and that is the Lego Marvel, Lego DC, Lego Movie Games Bundle. There's a lot of more stuff in there. So the Humble uh, Lego at the game at the Movies Game Bundle is available. And there's also a lot of other Humble Bundles this week to check out, including a lot of development books, such as Operation Python 2022, Learn Game Development for Beginners, Front End Web Dev by SitePoint, and even the Graphic Designer's Toolkit. As And also, for entertainment purposes, there's a Doctor Who comics bundle. And for those who enjoy the boys' show on Amazon, you can check out the comics bundle from For the Boys and more from Dynamite Entertainment. I'll have links to all of these bundles in the show notes. Valve is back with a big update for Team Fortress 2. So Valve has been pretty lackluster with updates for TF2, even though this game is still incredibly popular with the fans. And due to this lack of involvement with TF2, there has been a massive bot problem that has been effectively ruining the experience when playing this game for a while now. And it has come to the point that it requires finding community servers instead of using official game servers to play on because the bots essentially are there just to ruin your day. Now, I don't want to say anything about you know negatively to, towards Valve in terms of TF2 because when they did create TF2, they spent years improving upon it. And for like a decade, it was constantly being updated. And if they didn't want to update TF2, I understand they wouldn't, you know, because it's a game that has been out for over a decade. But at the same time, I think that it's awesome that they're now coming back to fix these bot issues. And we played TF2 in one of our game fest. And since we had so many people playing, there wasn't room for bots to jump in. So I didn't really notice them at first for, well, at least even for most of the event. But eventually they got in and it was very clear they were bots as they began doing things that were completely impossible, like sniping from one side of the map to the other with a headshot every single time you walked around a specific corner and things like that. So yeah, it was annoying. I understand why people were frustrated. Anyway, this amount of botting has been frustrating to the community for years, and sadly, many players had just been giving up on Valve. But this week, Valve has released a huge update to address these issues with the bots, 
and are going to continue to work on improving this. And they've also released other uh, re- updates related to this, uh, more than just one. So this is fantastic. And they also said they're going to be doing even more in the future. And they have hired a new developer to help with these issues. And the community is very, very excited to finally get back to playing the game that they love. And I'm very excited about this as well, as we can add it to our next Game Fest again. And I look forward to that. And if you are a fan of TF2 and this was an issue where you stopped playing the game, then check it out because now you can probably get back into the game. Enjoy enjoy your time as the spy or the... I don't even know what all, all of them are. <laughs> engineer, that's it. Spy, engineer, something, and something. I played it a little bit, not a lot. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about this, Uh, news related to the Team Fortress 2 update. Links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. And if you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon and sponsors and others. You can learn more and become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and just hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt that I'm wearing right now at, by going to tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff. We have hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And also be sure to check out the Sinister Windy collection by going to tuxdigital.com slash Sinister Windy. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episodes of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network. And while you're on the Tux Digital Network website at tuxdigital.com, you can see all the other great content we have right there. We have Linux Out Loud. We have the Pseudo Show and so much more. Check it out, TuxDigital.com. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to TuxDigital.com live. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital podcast. And I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.